excited about Christmas week? How many have great Christmas traditions you're going to do this week? Anybody got some traditions? You like to sing certain things. You like to cook a certain food. Anybody you like to come on? How many, how many have just traditions that you lead up to? Nobody, nobody has a tradition at all. There we go. Okay. Some of you've got traditions. You like to go see the lights. All right. Here's another question for you. How many have finished all of your Christmas shopping like a month ago? Anybody like Don? Who don't we like? We don't like you. We don't like who's other thing. Come on. How many of you, you say I'm, I'm about to start this week. Like I just hurry up this service. I'm starting in 45 minutes. Like I'm going, how many of you people? Yeah. You guys have those. How many of you open up presents on Christmas Eve? Traditions, right? How many you just you just can't wait? How many open them already? Anybody already open? How many of you are purist? You only open them on Christmas Day. Like no presents before Christmas Day. Where am I purist at, right? By humbug to all of you. Come on, you just keep those. <laughs> How many open all the presents all at the same time? Anybody? Any of those people? Like three seconds, five injuries, you're just wrapping paper everywhere. Every yeah. <laughs> How many of you give one present at a time? Like you read the name, you give it to the person, you watch their reaction, everybody cheers, then you go to the name. Anybody, anybody do one present at a time? You bigger families, you're going to be going to like January, right? Like that's going to, that takes forever. Come on, traditions. My family growing up, one of our Christmas traditions is we would travel on Christmas Eve and Christmas, right? We would, we would always catch a flight. Most of our extended family lives out of state. Uh, and so the cheap flights are on Christmas. Come on, somebody, everybody together. <laughs> and so we would travel on those. And that is a tradition I have kept with my own family because, <laughs> come on, the cheap flights are on Christmas. So even this year, our cheapest flight has like four connections and it's just like a 10-hour monstrosity. And so we are going through somewhere on Christmas called Steamboat Springs. I'd never heard of it before in my life, but we're spending like four hours in the airport. So I looked up the airport and they have like three gates and a deli, all right, in Steamboat Springs. And so that is Christmas dinner, everybody, in the Steamboat Springs Airport Deli. It's going to be amazing. We are, my kids are very excited. They're sitting somewhere back there. They just found out right now with all of you, all right? So it's going to be an awesome, awesome Christmas. How many others cheap travel is your Christmas tradition? Anybody with me this morning, cheap travel? Where are my people at? Nobody? All right. I just gave you a new Christmas tradition, everybody. But something else we love to do as a family, and I hope you love as well, and I hope you'll just adopt it this year, as we read Luke chapter 2, the Christmas story. Before we open presents, before we do all of that, before anything else, we like to read through the Christmas story. And sometimes we do it several days. Uh, We'll do it on Christmas morning as well. We'll do it in Steamboat Springs as well. But just a chance to relook at the story, just kind of with new eyes. And honestly, if you're able to do that with your kids, it's an amazing experience. Just to see them see the story for the first time. Uh, imagine that. They ask questions, I promise, that you've never asked in your whole life. They just, they love seeing the story with new eyes, new perspective. And so we love to read through that. And today I want to use the last song we sang along with the Christmas story. That song, Come Behold the Wondrous Mystery. Because when I ask you to think of something in just a moment, you're going to have a word picture in your mind. And so I I want you to kind of think through the picture that came up the first time I said it. And then I want to kind of give you a different perspective. Because I want to pause today and just for a few moments on our Christmas Sunday, I want to look at Jesus. I want to pause. I know this week is stretched out. I know you've got frantic things to run to, things to see, things to do, traditions to uphold. But I want to take just a few minutes as a church and I want to look at Jesus. Think about Jesus for just a moment. And so if you think about that, when I say the word Jesus, I want to know what picture pops into your head. What what image you have when I say the name Jesus. Because it's amazing if you think about it that we're here now 2,000 years after his life on earth. 
And still there are millions of people around the world who would claim that Jesus has changed their lives today. And I am one of them. It's an amazing thing to think about. The Bible says his name is above every other name. And so if you think about Jesus, you have to admit it's an incredible name. Whether you're a Christian or not, even if you're not a Christian, if you, even if you don't follow Jesus, you have to admit it's an amazing name. It's incredible. Today, in today's culture, you can talk about God all you want. You can talk about spirituality all you want. And it really doesn't cause any waves. But as soon as you mention the name of Jesus, it seems to be a controversy comes attached. You can go on a talk show and talk about God and spirituality and everybody just kind of smiles and says, but as soon as you say the name of Jesus, that Jesus is the only way to heaven, that Jesus is the name above all names, there seems to be a controversy that's attached. So what do you think about when I say the name Jesus? Now, for some of most people, there's two snapshots, right, that pop into your head. A lot of people, there's one of two things. There's the Christmas and the Easter snapshot. I say the word Jesus, and some of you say, I think, six pound, eight ounce, sweet baby Jesus, right, in the manger. That's what I, that's what I imagine in my life. Some of you say, I see 33-year-old Jesus on the cross. That's what I imagine. I've got the Christmas snapshot down, and I've got the Easter snapshot down. But what I'd like to do today is try to broaden our understanding of who Jesus is, who he is. Just give you a, maybe a more broad definition as we go into Christmas week, as we think about the Christmas story As we look at that song we sang, Come Behold the Wondrous Mystery, I want to give you kind of a different picture, maybe a few different ones, of who Jesus is. And so we're going to learn two words today, all right, everybody? I know that it's Christmas break. I know that, right, all learning is suspended for two weeks. You're trying to actively forget everything that you learned. But hang with me for just a couple of minutes. We're going to learn two words today, all right? And the first one is hine. You don't know this word already. Come on, say it with me. Hine. Everybody, hine. One more time. Hine, thank Forrest Gump saying Jene. Come on, somebody, you just. <laughs> Hine, all right, and the second word, that's the Hebrew word. The second word is Idu. Everybody say Idu. Idu. Come on, say Idu. Do you take this woman to be your lawfully wedded wife? Thank you very much. All right, there we go. <laughs> Hine and Idu. Now, these are the same word in two different languages, all right? The first one, Hine, is in Hebrew, the second one is in Greek. Both of these words, when they're translated in your Bible, translated to the English word, it comes out as lo or see or behold. Hine and idu. Come on. So you can remember those. I gave you two minutes to remember those. It comes out in the English translation, lo, see and behold. And what I want you to see, anytime you see this word in Scripture, what you need to understand, when you see hine or you see idu, when you see this word behold, what follows that word oftentimes is life-changing. What follows these words in the scripture, when it's translated, oftentimes what it means is saying, hey, look at this. Hey, watch this. Don't miss this. Behold. It's saying, don't, don't, if it was translated now, it'd be like, man, you have to see this or, or just, just pay attention. I don't care what you've got going on. Focus, focus, focus. Watch this. Don't miss this. Behold. And so what I want you to show you is a couple of pictures of Jesus in scripture that are preceded by this word, either hine or idu. This behold, this watch, this don't miss this. And if I could just encourage you this Christmas week is don't miss these pictures of Jesus. Don't miss who he is. Don't miss this. Behold, this is amazing. So let's look at some different pictures. The first one would be this. This is Jesus as the baby. And we already read this scripture in our service. I want you to look at it one more time. This is a prophecy 700 years before Jesus was born. This is in Isaiah and it's prophesying as Jesus. Therefore, the Lord himself We'll give you a sign. Behold, watch this, Hene. Behold, what? Don't miss this. 
Don't miss this moment. Don't miss what's coming. And, and the prophet would have been saying this and then he would have said, Behold, watch closely. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. He's saying, don't miss this. God himself is going to be with us. The people who would have heard this prophecy would have been blown away. The Savior we've heard about is coming. The, the one we've heard about, the one that we've, we've waited, he's coming. God is going to be with us. He's going to be born. This prophecy saying, behold, the virgin will conceive and bear a son and to call his name God with us. It's an amazing prophecy. Behold, don't miss this. Now, Mary would have had some cause for contention, I think, with this prophecy. Because what it doesn't warn her about, Mary, the mother of Jesus, when she would have read this prophecy and she would have known the Christ child was coming, what it doesn't warn her about is, behold, and Mary shall be nine months pregnant, four days on a donkey to Bethlehem. All right? That's just not written in there. Those of you who have been nine months pregnant, you understand that you would like a little heads up that you're going to spend four days going to Bethlehem on a donkey, get there with, you know, with your family, no room in the inn, have to stay in the stable. Come on, somebody. You'd like a warning at nine months pregnant. What it doesn't say is, behold, and Mary did not kill her husband Joseph on that trip. Come on, somebody. I mean, no, that's the first Christmas miracle right there. That's just the first. Just that they, they had some intense fellowship, but there was no, no murder along the way. Along the path. My wife, Alyssa, when we were having our final child, Hava, come on, our final child, everybody, let's just praise the Lord. When we were having our daughter, Hava, we headed down here to Oshner uh, over on O'Neill. And so my wife started feeling the contractions, and so we kind of knew what to do. So we headed over there, and we ride that elevator up to the nurse's station up on that floor and walk up to the window. We're happy. It's baby time, right? We're, we're excited. It's going to be awesome. And we knock on that little window, and that nurse looks at us, and she said, we're full. And I thought, that's an odd joke to tell people who are at a very, very stressful time in their life. I don't know if you've noticed, but my wife is having a baby. So cut the jokes and open the store. All right. Just, you know. I mean, and she's like, I'm sorry. Every room is full. Every, every birthing area we have for you. And so my wife is like the picture of serenity. Just, just sweetness. Just talking to the nurse. Like, what should we do? Where should we go? And I'm like, you open this door. And you give us a room. Like, you know, I'm pacing behind her. And every so often I come up and just shout something. And she kind of like pushes me back, you know. And I'm like, you open just right now. I don't know what's wrong. You know, Lord in heaven, we do. I just, just a side note. If men had the babies, it would be a whole different, whole different scenario. You guys understand that, right? Like we check in like month seven, right? Like we just, I'm feeling a little nauseous. I think I'll just hang out here for a couple of months. I'm just telling you, it'd be a whole whole other thing. Now, they did find us a room, everybody. We didn't have to go to the stable. They found us after, I don't know if it was my shouting or her sweetness, but mixed together, they found us a room. But Mary and Joseph, nine months pregnant, four days on a donkey to Bethlehem, no room in the inn, probably thinking there's no way this can be God's plan. There's no way this is what he had planned. They end up in the stable. Really, it would have been like a cave. And it says she gives birth and they lay him in swaddling clothes wrapped in a manger. And there you see the image. All the events leading up to it, you wouldn't have expected. But there you see Jesus, the baby, born as the hope of the world. There in that manger, you see Jesus, the baby. It says, behold, she'll give birth to Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. The baby born to die for the sins of the world. Isaiah 9 says it this way, for unto us, what does it say? Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders. The government will be on his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. It's the prophecy about Jesus, the baby. Behold, the Bible says, behold, don't miss this. 
Don't, don't miss this image of Jesus, the baby, born as the hope of the world. Another picture of Jesus I want you to see is this. Behold, don't miss it, Jesus, the Lamb of God. Behold, John said this in chapter 1 of the book of John. John the Baptist made this declaration. says he saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, Behold, don't miss it. He's saying it to all his followers, those being baptized, all those who follow John the Baptist. He's saying, Behold, look, don't miss it. I know I've told you lots of things, but this is important. Behold, watch this, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And everybody in his audience would have stopped and been like, look, they would have been, can can you believe it? It's him. It's the Lamb of God. They would have understood what that meant because they lived in a sacrificial society. When you sinned in then, when you sinned at that time, someone else could pay the punishment for your sin. Someone else could die in your place. And so they would have understood this idea about sacrifice, about the Lamb of God. And then they would have remembered celebrating annually the Passover. This celebration of that moment when God said, I'm going to send the death angel over the camp. When they were in bondage in Egypt. And he said, and anyone who doesn't have the blood of the Lamb on their doorpost will be destroyed. But if you have the blood of the Lamb, they would have remembered that tradition of Passover, the Lamb of God. Because what they would do is they would take an innocent lamb, they would kill it, and they would spread the blood on the doorpost. So the angel of death would pass over their house, the blood of the lamb. And even in the Old Testament, you see a foreshadow of the cross of Christ, the blood dripping down the doorpost and spread over it, that the angel of death would pass over. And so they would know this, and not only just a lamb, but they would understand when he said, it's the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Not a lamb that takes away sins one time, but the lamb of God who forever and ever has paid for our sins, everybody. It says, behold, don't miss this. It's the Lamb of God, slain for the sins of the world. Revelation chapter 5 says this, With a loud voice, worthy is the Lamb who is slain, to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Behold, don't miss this picture of Jesus, the Lamb of God. Behold Jesus the baby, Christ born for the hope of the world. Behold Jesus the Lamb of God, slain for the forgiveness of sins. And then another picture of Jesus I hope you get is in John chapter 19. It's Pilate. Pontius Pilate, they've whipped him, they've beat him, they put a crown of thorns on his head, and it says, Behold Jesus, the man. What does Jesus, what does Pilate say in John chapter 19? Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said to them, Behold the man. Behold the man. And I hope you don't miss this picture of Jesus. Because too often times we see him as one or the other, because Jesus was holy God, 100% divine, but he was also holy man. And too often times we see one or the other, but he was both. And I'll tell you why that was important. Holy God, divine, that God himself would spend time with us, that God himself would step down and bridge the gap for the forgiveness of sins. But holy man, that he understands what we struggle with, that he lived a life on this earth, holy God and holy man. He was God in the flesh, but he was man. And not just any ordinary man. It says Jesus was overflowing with the love of God, the compassion of God. The Greek word that's translated there, it's compassion, but it's a deep compassion. We studied this in October. We said that he, when he saw people, he was filled with this deep, this ache of compassion inside. That when he saw people, he loved them. And not a superficial kind of every, you know, once a week on Sunday kind of love. He loved them. He had an ache of compassion for them. That he loved us enough that he would reach out to those that no one else would reach out to. That the lepers of the society, the lepers that no one would touch, that no one would go near, Jesus would reach out and touch. That he would love them, that he would see blind eyes and he would heal them. 
that he would touch the sick and they would be healed, that he would befriend the prostitutes, that he would go after the ones that the religious leaders wouldn't even look at. And honestly, the religious leaders hated him for it, that he would love people. And that even on that day when they hung him on a cross, when creation was mocking the creator, that Jesus looked at them and it says he turned his eyes to heaven and he said, Father, forgive them. And he could have called legions of angels to destroy them. He could have, could have wiped it all out, started everything anew. Instead, he chose to forgive. Behold, Jesus, the man, filled with compassion, filled with love for others. Behold, according to Isaiah 53, behold, Jesus, don't miss this. Behold, lo, see, don't miss it. That Jesus, the man, was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement for our peace was upon him. And behold, by his stripes, we are healed. Don't miss this. Church, behold Jesus. Behold the Christ child born in a manger, the hope of the world. Behold the Lamb of God slain for the sins of all. Behold Jesus, the man who took on himself our iniquities, who endured the pain of the cross. Behold. Behold Jesus, obedient to the Father, even to the point of death. And behold, he's the soon returning king. The soon returning king. This is what he said in Revelation chapter 22. He says, and behold, watch this, I'm coming quickly. And my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He says, behold, listen, the first picture when Jesus was born 2,000 years ago, Jesus, the baby in the manger, meek and mild, Born as the savior of the world, the hope of all kind. See him there. But then know that he is the returning king. And when he returns, he'll have a different thing on his mind. Watch this. John Chevrolet in Revelation chapter 19, John prophesied. He said, I saw heaven opened. And behold, a white horse. Behold, don't miss this. I would encourage you this Christmas. Don't miss Jesus in the manger. The hope of the world. Don't miss Jesus, the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus, the man who took on himself all that we deserved. But don't miss Jesus. Behold, the soon returning king. Don't miss this. Don't don't gloss over this. Watch. He says, behold, watch this, a white horse. And he who sat on it was called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes like a blazing fire, his head many crowns, his name written that no one knows except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God. And the armies in heaven clothed. White and clean followed him on white horses and out of his mouth a sharp sword that he should strike the nations and he will rule them with a rod of iron and he himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of almighty God. Behold, don't miss this. Don't miss it. And he on his robe and on his thigh a name written, watch this, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Behold, the soon returning king. Behold, don't miss this picture. Behold Jesus, the baby. Behold Jesus, the Lamb of God. Behold Jesus, the man. But behold Jesus, the returning king. Behold Jesus, the soon return. Behold, feel the warning of John's words. Yeah, let's give him praise. You can feel the the warning behind John's words, behind the prophecy. Behold, watch this. In other words, don't miss this. When he writes this prophecy, behold, don't, don't miss this. There is a soon coming king. There's a king who is returning. Behold, listen to me, church, time is short. If there's one message I can preach you this morning, it's time is short. You look around the world, you see pain and you see tragedy, you see wars. 
You see all of these things, depression. You see all these things infiltrating. You see darkness. When you look around and you see the world, time is short. When we see these things unfolding, even in these last two years, we see these different... Time is short, everybody. Behold, don't miss the warning John wrote. Behold. that we look around and we see all these things falling apart. But can I encourage you? There is a king who is returning. There's a king of kings and a lord of lords. There is one who is returning as the conquering king. There is one who is coming back. And it says that those who remain will be caught up in the air. The dead in Christ will rise first. That on that day, the trumpet will sound. There is a returning king. Behold. He says, watch this. Don't miss this. The king is coming back. Behold. And finally this morning, behold the baby in the manger. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Behold the man who took it all upon us. Behold the returning king. And finally, behold Jesus, the one who wants to share his life with you. The one who wants to give you eternal life. Because if the returning king is a warning, can I encourage you this morning that there is one who wants to share that life with you. There is the Christ child born as the hope of the world. There is the Lamb of God slain for the forgiveness of sins. There is the man who took on our debt, who took on our what we owed. There's the returning king. And there's Jesus who wants to share his life with you. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20, it says, Behold, watch this. Don't miss this. He's saying, look, see, behold. Don't just gloss over, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Jesus is saying, behold, I'm there, I'm knocking. And if anyone... If anyone would open the door and let me in, if anyone would answer the call, behold, don't miss it. Behold, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and dine with him and he with me. He said, behold, don't miss this. If there's anyone, if you hear the knocking, if there's anyone, you feel the tug of God, if there's anyone, he stands at the door of your heart and he knocks. He says, if anyone would answer the call, behold. He says, behold, I'm there. Jesus is saying, behold, I stand at the door. Are you listening? Saying, look, this Christmas season, I'm knocking. Are you listening? This Christmas season, I'm drawing you. Are you responding? He's saying, I'm looking for you. I'm I'm listening. I'm calling. But are you paying attention? He says, behold, Jesus, the returning king. And he says, he's knocking on the door of your heart. And it's my greatest fear this Christmas. There would be people all around the world. But honestly, my greatest fear is there would be people in this church that would play Christmas and miss the Christ child. Would play Christmas and miss Christ, the Lamb of God. Who would play Christmas and miss Christ, the returning King. Play Christmas and miss Christ who wants to give you life. It's eternal life. Behold Jesus, the Son of God. Behold Jesus, the Christ child born to die. Behold Jesus, the Lamb of God, slain for the forgiveness of sins. Behold Jesus, the man who took on our debt. Behold Jesus, the soon returning King. Behold Jesus, who wants to share his life with you, who's knocking at the door, asking you to let him in. You say, well, who is Jesus? He is Christ, the risen Lord. Bow your heads with me as we pray today. Lord, let us experience you this Christmas. Jesus, we ask right now, give us a picture of who you are. That you were the baby born for our hope, born for the hope of the world, a baby in the manger, but you were also the Lamb of God, slain for the forgiveness of our sins. Lord, let us understand that you are Jesus, the man who understands what we struggle with. That you are Jesus, the returning King. 
that you are coming back one day. We pray and we thank you for that assurance we have. But above all, we thank you. You are Jesus who gives life. You are Jesus who gives life. And right now, as every head is bowed, every eye is closed, there are those of you who showed up today. And maybe you're here for the Christmas service or maybe you're watching online and you're not really sure why you came, but you recognize during this service that he is not the Lord of your life. Maybe at some point in here, you recognize that he is not in charge of your life. And so this morning, I would tell to you, I would say that one, encourage you that God has ordained for you to be here at this moment. That he's chosen this moment for you to hear the good news. And the second thing, are you ready for it? Behold, don't miss this. Don't miss this. Behold, God has chosen for you to be in this moment, but behold, don't miss this. Behold, God so loves you that he sent his only begotten son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Behold, God loves you. Don't miss this. If you didn't hear anything else this morning, behold, God sees you. Behold, God wants you. Behold, God loves you more than you could possibly imagine. Don't miss this. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've come from. Don't miss this. God wants you. God loves you. Behold, Jesus has come to rescue you. And the Bible says it doesn't matter what you've done doesn't matter where you've come from. All that matters is that Jesus has come to rescue you. It says that he gave his life for the forgiveness of sins. That Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. He's not looking to judge you. He's not looking to condemn you. He's looking to save you. Behold. Behold. The Jesus who died for the forgiveness of our sins, that he stands at the door right now and he's knocking. It says that he died for your sins, but he didn't stay dead. It says he rose again three days later so that anyone, including you, that anyone could call on the name of Jesus and be saved. So that's you this morning. If you say, I want that. I feel God just tugging at my, I feel that I want my salvation in him. It would be my honor to pray with you. Listen to me. I'm not going to make you stand or come to the front. I'm not looking to embarrass you. But what I want to do is pray with you this morning. I can give you the words. You have to say them and you have to mean them for your own life. It's a prayer of surrender. It's a prayer of surrender to Jesus. So right now, every head bowed. Church, we're going to pray with them. Nobody prays alone. But if you say, I want to make that decision today. Pray with us. Say these words. Say, Jesus, forgive me. I repent. I believe you died on the cross. And I believe you rose again. And I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's church said amen and amen. Church, can we celebrate with those who have done that today? Best decision you'll ever make. church this morning as we end up our Christmas service. If you're able to, I would ask you to stand. If not, you can stay seated right where you are.
we're going to end with a moment of worship. And while we sing this song, I would encourage you, go ahead and grab the candle out and that piece of wax paper. You can go ahead and get ready for that. But right now, as we see these pictures of Jesus, whether it's Jesus as the baby, Jesus the Lamb of God, Jesus the man, Jesus the returning King. As we sing this song in this moment, let this just be a worship moment for you. Behold, Jesus who died for the sins of the world, Jesus who rose again, Jesus who's coming again. Let's sing and worship together. A wondrous mystery in the dawning of the King. He the theme of heaven's praises, broken that God spoke in the Bible in Genesis chapter one. Let there be light. And you're gonna see in just a moment, it's incredible that from this little candle, from this little light that we light and we turn and light the ones behind us. And as we hold up these candles, you're gonna see this whole room be filled with light. And I love that moment because honestly, those words God spoke, let there be light. In the same way, those words are available to you today. In every dark part of your life, in every dark place where you thought light could never shine again, in every moment of pain, in every moment of tragedy, in every moment of struggle or addiction or chain or bondage, whatever it is, whatever moment of darkness in your light, that God has the power and the ability to speak to that place to speak to that corner, to speak to that place of darkness and to say, let there be light. That the same Jesus who walked the earth 2,000 years ago, the same Jesus speaking to our hearts, the same Jesus can set you free. Let there be light. So in a moment, as I light my candle and I'll light the ones at the front, we continue to spread this. I want you to see that picture. I want you to see us, the darkness is invaded with light. And to know that this Christmas, it's available to you. Let's pray together before we do that. 
God, I pray for everyone here. For every person who walked in, every person watching online, God, right now, I pray for them. That they may be smiling on the outside, but God, maybe on the inside there is a darkness. Maybe at some point in their life or something they're struggling with, God, there's some pain or some addiction or something, God, that's overshadowing, that's trying to fill their life with darkness. I pray right now that your light would shine forth. God, that they would quit trying to do it on their own. They would quit trying to do it under their own strength and they would turn to Jesus, the light of the world. And that this Christmas, above all the other things that we do, they would know that you set them free. Lord, I pray right now that you would bring peace that only you can bring. That you would bring forgiveness that only you can bring. Healing that only you can bring. I pray that over them in the name of Jesus. Let your light, God, shine in the darkness. We pray it all in the name of Jesus. Come on, church, let's sing as we light these candles. Sing it one more time. Hold up your candle if you're able to. Let's sing.
you to look around you one more time this morning. It's a picture of what your life could look like if you open the door and let the light of God in. His light into every dark place. His love into every situation. His peace over your homes. So one more time. We say thank you, Jesus, for the sacrifice that you made for us. Thank you, Jesus, you came as the Christ child, the hope of the world. Thank you, Jesus, you are the returning king. Church, I'm praying this for your homes this Christmas season. It's my prayer, honestly, all throughout the new year. And everybody said a big amen and amen.